When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number two, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us Going to play you the latest on Biden cognition issues, as well as our good buddy Joe Scarborough proving that he truly has no gag reflex um, in his latest defense of Joe Biden. But tough jobs there. We were just talking. Buck, I had a couple of thoughts that we didn't get to. One, I think I would I, I would change my answer because I was thinking about how much one kid when they're like four or five is incredibly difficult to handle. I don't think I could be a element, like an, a kindergarten school teacher at this age. Only if you were an undercover police officer and you got to yell at them, it's not a tumor. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I, I, I think that job would be too draining. I would say secretary, but I'm defining, and I'm defining secretary now broader as basically personal assistant. And you could be a personal assistant to someone who has a really cool job. And then you're still sort of in a tough spot because you have to take care of all sorts of details. But I think that job would not be awful. So you're I really would think of this one through. I'm impressed. I'm thinking you're, through you're working it. it out. Yeah. I'm working. And I would also say I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't get hygienist because during our break, I was thinking, I like, have you ever had a male hygienist when you've ever gone to the dentist in your life? I haven't. I was thinking about it. No. And I was like, if I had a male hygienist, I would be so uncomfortable with the man like leaning over me and like doing the teeth cleaning. And I don't know why that is. I guess women are not uncomfortable with having female hygienists because I've never seen a male hygienist. And obviously a lot of dentists are male, so that's not a an, uh, a big deal. But I think I would leave <laughs> if, if a man like remember when I said, Buck, um, I refuse to allow a man to babysit my kids when they were young. Like we were at a hotel and the hotel provided babysitting services and a man showed up and my wife was so upset, but I was like, no, I will not leave my, I had like a four year old and a two year old at the time. I was like, I will not leave my boys with a male babysitter. 
And, and my wife is like, Oh my God, you're embarrassing me. And I was like, sorry, I want a, I want a female babysitter. And, and I demanded that that guy leave. And they sent a woman like a, you know, it was like college age kids, um, at the working at the resort. They sent a college age girl to babysit. And I was like, I'm fine with this. We'll go out to dinner now. I wouldn't have gone out to dinner if we were leaving them with a male babysitter. Like that's a, that's an example. I think I would leave if I went to the dentist. And there were like some brawny guy like leaning over, putting his hands in my mouth. I'd be like, I'd I don't, I don't want to do this. I'd be interested to see if you were to put out a, a X poll, would you leave your toddler age children with a male babysitter that you did, that you did not know, you know, meaning so not like, you know, your nephew, not a family or, member, you know, not, not like some, yeah, member, right. Um, I'm wondering what the, what the, I, I couldn't begin to guess. I don't know what the numbers would be on that. I think probably mostly agreeing with you or with your decision. Would you um, be, would you have like, you don't have kids yet, but it would it make you apprehensive if you were like at a, you know, we were at a nice resort and they had a babysitting service and we were going to go out to dinner. It's not like we were going like far away. Um, but I, I was like, Laura would, Laura would have done it. Um, I was like, no, no, not happening. Like 0% chance. Uh, I think, I think, I don't, I don't know. I'm stuck on, I think maybe I agree with you, but it's, it's a tough one. I think I agree with you. What, and then what about the male hygienist thing? Like, can you imagine no, some blonde fingered guy, guy like sure touching your great, teeth and, st- I'm sure there's some great male hygienists out there. One thing I checked, I was curious, what do you think the percentage, I'm thinking of, um, meet the parents, right? With yeah. The- <laughs> nurses. Yeah. Um, what, what percentage 85%, of percent, 85%, uh, women, 15% male would be my guess. That is correct. Did you know that? that no, I didn't. I mean, I'm just, well, look, is look that at, exactly I don't right? know. I did, I did clay. I don't know. I think he got the answers to the test here with some of this stuff, but, uh, yes, yes, that is correct. About, but that's a pretty, you know, that that's one out of a little more than one out of 10 nurses. Yeah. Are and guys. some, some nursing jobs require a lot of physical strength, right? Like, I mean, to lift like somebody who needs to be helped into a chair, stuff like that. I mean, if you're, you know, five foot four, 115 pounds, like a lot of nurses are, that would be, I think, very yeah, difficult a, to a do. Lot, there's a lot of active duty military nurses who are male. Yeah. So they do, but you know, they're, they're tending to, uh, you know, military, uh, people. Um, anyway, yeah, nursing is not, uh, is not nearly as skincare specialist. I, I mean, that's the other thing too. There, there's this whole world. Do you realize how I, I've learned this now that I am married? Do you realize how much women spend on skincare? Oh, this is, I did not, it's, there are little, there are little things. There, there are things that look like they're, they're made for like a, a, a bar and hundreds of dollars. I notice it every time we travel and there's like a, part of the sink that is for me and a part of the sink that's for her. And this is, by the way, is my, oh, I will also point out, this is why, like, I posted a picture of my wife and me from Vegas and people were like, your daughter's really pretty. <laughs> Laura is actually older than me and looks like 15 years younger than me because she knows how to take care of her skin. Women know how to take care of skin. Like I am 44 and I'm waving at you right now on this, uh, on this screen. I don't wear makeup. Like I don't know, you know, like how to do any like skincare. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I, I haven't really been doing uh, much TV lately. Um, and you know, I'm focusing on this show and the book and podcast. I never got comfortable with the makeup thing. Yeah. And, and I, I don't like it. And I know the thing is, I know you're shiny if you don't do it, but I'm just saying there was never a time where I was like, Oh yes, please powder my face so I can go on television. And just so you know, everyone that you're seeing who goes on TV who's hosting a show, 
without exception, the, all the guys have makeup on and super made up. Like a lot of a lot of makeup on. Super made up. I, I every I time like I do a hit, I don't have makeup on. I never have. So people are like you look old. I just look normal. I also probably do look old because I don't sleep very much and I work all the time. And also, my wife looks young because she knows how to use all the skincare regimens. Like maybe this is what Joe Biden needs. I'll also point out while we mentioned Joe Biden, he looks old. He's also had Buck a ton of work done. And at some point, at some point you move from, oh, I look a little bit younger to you get like that John Kerry look. You, you, you start where to look like so fake. fake. Yep. So fake that you look older, right? And I'm not an expert on plastic surgery. I'm, I'm going to say this. never had any. I'm going to say this and, you know, people can feel agree or disagree. It's an aesthetic decision. Gosh, how do we even get on this? I keep wanting to talk about <laughs> politics and Joe Biden and you're, you're I just, I just these... shifted it to Joe Biden looking older than he would. Uh, that's otherwise. true. So, so we, we, this pivot. is the last thing I will say on this. And then we have to talk about Joe Biden and politics and, and inform everyone, uh, about what's going on today in the world. But. Things, I'm just going to say it. I think we need to shut it down a little bit. Things have gotten too crazy with plastic surgery meant to make people look younger, and people have gotten a little too crazy with the tattoos that you can see all the time, like the guy at the Super Bowl with the face tattoos. Face tattoos, not a good idea. Not You're a good very anti-tattoo. Face tattoo? The guy, what's oh, his I, name? Look, uh, the uh, face uh, tattoo. Mr. Post Malone. Mr. Malone, yeah, that's very a bad talented look. singer, but tattoos all over his face. I get it. It's a bad look. First person who I ever saw with a tattoo on his face was Mike Tyson. You remember that when he got that crazy tattoo on his face? Yeah, he did. Um, Biden. Joe Biden does not have face tattoos, but a lot of other stuff going on. A lot of, a lot of facial work. Um, this, they have gone all out now on the idea that it's all in your head that Biden has mental and physical cognition issues. Nobody is going harder on this. Then, uh, paid propagandist Joe Scarborough on MSNBC. Did you see, Buck? They had a big article, and I was wondering, I, I now understand this. Joe Biden is evidently obsessed with watching Morning Joe. He will watch it every morning. He starts off his day there. He talks frequently about the topics that they have on that show. And so this is basically when Joe Scarborough is, like, uh, again, proving he doesn't have a gag reflex. This is because he knows Biden is watching him. Here's Joe Scarborough, and I just want all of you to think about this. Joe Scarborough says, I loved my mom. I don't know what year she died. This is weird. Listen. Special counsel asking, hey, what what year did your son die? And supposedly he didn't remember what year his son died. And this was the most damning thing. I said this yesterday, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just older people. We've lived a busy and active life, but... Nobody's closer to me. Nobody's been closer to me in my life than my mom. If somebody asked me in the middle of the deposition, what year did your mom die? I go, I don't know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know. I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you my final word. But, but, but again, and same thing with Mika and her dad. So the fact, first of all, that he was asking that question. Secondly, that somehow that's the most damning thing. And the Trump people are now saying the White House is like an old folks home. Uh, I just, this is, to me, there is a level of lying that even people who are liars look at and say, yeah, I don't think I can go to that level. To use your own mother's death, if he truly doesn't know when his mom died, 
I mean, Joe Scarborough is not that old. What is he, like 60, 55, something like that? He is lying as a propagandist. If he truly doesn't know what year his mom died, I would submit to you that he's not that good of a human being, right? Because it's not that hard to remember when your mother died. If If you look at his personal history i don't think ethics are super high on the concerns but of the you know what i'm saying man. like I, it is to to go out and say it's not that big of a deal to know what year your kid died i'm sorry it is a big deal it is a crippling and but, crucially you know yeah, significant moment. i think there's a bigger there's just a bigger point here of are you really going to make such an ass of yourself that you're going to argue that joe biden isn't in, isn't in clear cognitive decline. That, that's where yes. we're going with this. Can I just point out? It is where they're going. Not surprising to me. Uh, here you have Chuck Schumer. I've been meaning to get to this all day. This is cut 10. Chuck Schumer saying Biden sharp as attack. When I talk to President Biden, you know, regularly, or sometimes several times in a week, or usually several times in a week, his mental acuity is great. It's fine. It's as good as it's been over the years. I've been speaking to him for 30 years since we worked on the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban when I was a young congressman. <laughs> um, and um, he's, he's, he's fine. All this right-wing propaganda that his mental acuity is declined is wrong. He's going to win the election because he has a great record. Clay, it is right-wing propaganda to say that Biden's mental acuity is gone. Is it possible to come up with more brazen lies? No, I, I honestly don't think it is because 86% of Americans believe now, according to the ABC News poll, that Biden doesn't have the mental or physical capacity to be president. 86%, including over 70% of Democrats. So the brazenness of the lie is standing out. And this is also important. We come back, Buck. Some people are saying, oh, the Robert Her report there was no reason to include the mental cognition aspects. That's actually wrong, too, because that was the justification for which Robert Hur made the decision not to charge Biden with a crime because he didn't think that he had the mental capacity to be able to prove the mens rea element of the crime. He had to include this. And I see so many people uh, arguing, oh, well, there's no reason for him to talk about the mental capacity. The, the get-out-of-jail-free card, yes, get right. card was his mental cognition. That's why it had to be there. And and yet, here we are, Clay. All the people out there who were telling me with their emails, Biden, the fix is in, he's going to get replaced. Chuck Schumer saying he's sharp as a tack. I think Chuck Schumer would would know if there was some big scheme, some big plot. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, they have to make it seem like it's Biden's choice. Ah. They do. <laughs> they do we're have to make, make super, it seem like it's Biden's choice. We're going to make a super choice. cut of this. We're going to play it every day in August. Uh, and when we come back, we'll take some of your calls. We'll also continue to break down Biden's mental deterioration. Uh, in the meantime, if you're a sports fan, fantasy sports person, prize picks apps, what you want to download, if you haven't already done so, America's number one fantasy sports app, great for football, equally great, if not better, for basketball. A lot of you, uh, now that football season is over, are going to start to turn your attention to the NCAA tournament, to all of the big matchups that will be taking place next month in March, and it's the easiest way to play daily fantasy on 
the stretch run now of college football season. You can win up to a 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. That means you can turn $10 into $1,000. Prize Pick gives you quick withdrawals, huge selection of player sports stat types, and we love it. It's got a game for you. They even offer injury insurance so your injuries can stay in play even if one of your players gets hurt. Download the Prize Picks app this basketball season. Use my name, Clay, as your promo code for a first deposit match up to $100. That means you put in $100, they'll give you $100. They will match whatever your deposit is up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com. Use my name, Clay, for that deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Prizepicks.com. Code Clay. Make an appointment with the truth. Tune in every day to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Clay and Buck. Um, we are going to take some calls here. A lot of people want to weigh in on the uh, job discussion we were having before. Uh, we have... Uh, Lindsay in Ohio, who is a dental hygienist, who says we need to know this about the uh, dental hygienist 
situation. What's going on, Lindsay? Hi, how are you? We're great. Thanks for calling in. Lindsay, do Thank you think you. I'm weird that if a man were trying to put his hands in my mouth when I went to the dentist that I would be like, I can't do this? How many male hygienists have you seen in your dental hygienist career? I have only seen three. And, like, how many women would you have seen? Hundreds? Oh, absolutely, if not thousands. So why do you think no men want to be dental hygienists? Do you think that I'm weird that if I went to a... There are plenty of dentists who are men, right? So that's yeah, but the they thing. don't they don't do the yes. physical labor, right? Like they just come in and they kind of like look and they're like, okay, like I mean, I, I what do you think? What do you attribute this to, Lindsay? Why do no men want to be dental hygienists? I think it's just it's a. I feel that men are more decision makers, like let's go, let's get this done, and women are more in the caring field, kind of like the teachers and the nurses. So I think that's the general difference. Have you ever had a male hygienist work on your teeth? Well, that is part of the reason I've called. Yes, I did have one male hygienist work on me. Did you enjoy it or did it make you uncomfortable? Um, I knew him very well, so I was fine. What, what do you think is the best, uh, the best flavor to get your teeth cleaned with? Oh, mint. Absolutely mint. mint. Yeah, I think mint's a good answer. Thank you for the anything call. else in the interrogation? No, I just I I, I I I appreciate the work. I but I I can't be alone. There's something about men's hairy knuckles, like the, the like gro- like in your I, you the think, idea. I, mean, when I would when be a yeah. dentist checks your salivary glands. I mean, it's not you it's know, fast. It's fast, and it's not anywhere near as like they really get in there on the dental hygienist cleaning. The dentist has just kind of come in like cursory view. He's there for like two minutes, and then he's gone. Is this me? Have sounds I lost? Like no, it's you. Like you got to talk to everybody. Me. It's now. me. It's me. The customer appreciation sale at My Pillow rolls on. It's their way of thanking you for supporting this great American company. Get fifty percent off the My Pillow 2.0 or their new flannel sheets or both six pack towel sets as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Even their mattress toppers on sale for as low as ninety nine ninety nine. This sale is different from other My Pillow sales because you'll also get free shipping. We just upgraded Ginger's dog bed from size small to medium. They come in a variety of colors so you can match them with your home decor. Ginger loves her My Pillow bed and being dried off after baths with her My Towels. We got her special My Towels just for her, so we keep them separate from the human towels. She loves them, but the My Pillow and the My Towels are great for me too. Carrie loves them. I almost said Ginger. Ginger and Carrie both love them. MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on Radio Lister Special Square. Use promo code Clay and Buck. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Clay and Buck. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. A lot of you reacting to a variety of stories so far. We will continue to roll, by the way. Uh, if you're in the New York City area, you guys are getting slammed by snow, which hadn't happened for a couple of years. Buck, you're down in Miami. Do you miss the snow? Does any There's part something... of you see pictures and think that would be nice? There's something peaceful and uh something... Uh, calming, serene about the snowfall when you don't have to shovel your driveway and don't have to worry about getting into work. Like snow day, if you have it, can be very nice. You drink hot cocoa, perhaps with those tiny marshmallows. We don't drink hot cocoa in Miami. It's not a thing. You know, New York City is requiring remote schooling of the kids that otherwise would get a snow day. Did you know this? No, that oh, is okay. brutal. 
Yeah. Brutal. Oh, man. I, it's like I want to defend kids out there because, look, nobody thought remote schooling was dumber than me. And my kids did it. And your kids probably did it during covid. I wanted them to be in school. But the idea now that snow days are getting wiped out and you have remote schooling no matter what feels very unfair to me as a kid who would be so excited when it snowed. You got to go run around. You got to have it. I think they build 10 snow days in in Nashville. and doesn't even snow very often. So the idea that you would have, but a lot of parents agree with me, and I bet a lot of teachers do too, the idea that you would try to get kids on remote schooling on a snow day feels like a very bad trend. I would wipe that one out. Um, by the way, we were talking about uh, there's several things out there that are indefensible that are awful right now, right? $95 million of taxpayer money gets spent by the Senate to worry about the borders uh, of other countries more than your own. Uh, but now with all the illegal immigrants coming in, they are now saying in some left-wing cities, hey, you should just take in an illegal immigrant and let them live with you. This is the new woke perspective. I'm not making this up. And this is a interview that happened in Boston. Buck, you sent this in. A white woman took in a black illegal immigrant and said it's great. Now she has her own personal... I can't believe this is real. Her own personal chef. Listen. Now things are looking much brighter as they've been welcomed into Lisa Hillenbrand's Brookline apartment. She says her daughter is very happy. When she wakes up in the morning, she says, hi, Lisa, and everyone starts the day smiling. It's a delight, and it's really fun having them. What I realized is there's so much prejudice against refugees, mostly because people don't know them. Lisa says she feels like she has her own personal chef, as Wildande loves cooking. In fact, her goal is to open up her own restaurant. They are hardworking. They want to learn. They want to be successful, and I feel great helping, and I get to understand the refugee crisis from the inside. All right. Okay. Uh, oh, there. I, I have so many, so many thoughts here, Clay. First of all, the, I mean, I, I understand what they would say, which is that it was the voiceover, um, you know, reporter who said it feels like personal chef, but clearly she said that to her. Um, but okay. So what are we supposed to take from this piece by this local to show? It should everyone it's a Boston area, yeah. Boston area, you know, local news station. Should everyone then in the Boston area just take a migrant into their home who can afford it? Is that is that the the answer they're suggesting? Um, I, I think it's interesting. And and if it's not the answer, why isn't it the answer? You know. Well, what are they going to do here? What's the plan? How long does that woman uh, does she plan to have this this uh you know couple staying with her? Illegal immigrants staying in the house. I don't like when there are people that I know. That come and stay in my house. I don't like going. This is we've had big arguments about this. I don't even really like staying in anybody else's house. I would rather stay in a hotel because I feel weird. Like if I'm walking around in my underwear and you know it's 2 a.m. and and suddenly like I cross paths with somebody. Like I I would prefer that my family stay in my house and other families stay in their houses. General preference by me. And if I have to choose, I would rather stay in a hotel than sleep on a fold-out bed in somebody's house with all my kids and all the chaos that that brings, in my personal opinion. Putting a stranger in your house 
and then bragging that it's like having a personal chef, first of all, that feels a little bit like uh, slavery. <laughs> I mean, you're just putting somebody in your house, and then you're making them work for you. Uh, that's weird, right? It feels very strange to me. But also, this is going to lead to bad places, right? Putting strangers in your home is a recipe for disaster in general. And so this idea that the new woke mindset, we played you a clip from someone saying, well, if you're wealthy, you should just take in migrants. I don't really like, I, I, this, I like the left being forced to deal with the ramifications of the political choices that they're making and foisting upon the rest of the country. So I do, if, if we're going to do this, would I rather random rich people host illegal immigrants than my tax dollars go to pay for illegal immigrants? Yes. But how does this whole process work? I, I, I have so many questions, but how did she end up with this random woman? Like, do you get assigned someone? Do you do an interview process of illegal immigrants? Like, do you get to choose the ages, the, the sexes of the people that are moving into your house? This is all very, very strange. What and by the way, want, what happens if they don't want to leave, by the way? I, I mean, I, I have, I have friends, uh, who do, one in particular I was talking to about this recently, who, uh, own real estate. And, uh, Squatters. one guy that I spoke to told me about how people broke into, broke into, a home that he owned that was vacant because they were doing some work on it in between tenants and someone moved in. They lived there for seven months, eight months, something like that before they could, because they started paying utilities and then you can't get rid of them. So I'm just saying, you know, depending on what state you're in, once someone has established a residency in your residence of any kind, it's actually very hard to get people to leave. Just saying. Oh, and you're going to evict them. I mean, that's, that's the point. Like what happens once you allow them to move in? What if they just say, no, I'm not leaving. This is what I'm saying. I, Probably I nice in that Brookline apartment or house or whatever they're living in there. Maybe they say, you know, we're going to hang out a bit longer. I don't know. Especially in the winter when it's cold outside otherwise. I, I don't know what the, what the solution is here for how this relationship ends. Well, but there, here's what would happen. Maybe we should advocate for this, though, Clay. Maybe we should advocate for if you want open borders, you have to take them. You, you have to take a. I, I, I prefer that than our tax dollars go for it. I'd rather you know? that lady take somebody in. Than us pay five hundred dollars a night for that woman to stay in a hotel in New York. But I mean City everybody. So, so that if you if you're if you're you know angry about Trump wanting to deport people or angry about Trump wanting to secure the border, uh, the question then becomes: Well, how many migrants have you taken into your home exactly? Oh, none. Yeah. Why? Why are you are you racist? Why won't you take migrants into your home? It's a great question. And by the way, this is also Boston area. Allie's from the Boston area, I believe. Wasn't a big part of the initial revolution that there would be no quartering allowed. We don't ever talk about that anymore. Do you remember that, Buck? Because you used to be able, uh I think British soldiers used to be able to basically demand that they quartering be allowed. Yeah, it was a big yeah, thing for the, uh, in the American Revolution. Yeah. No more quartering of British soldiers in homes. That's right. So now we're back to circling back around to uh Boston area residents are quartering illegal immigrants. Well, they're, cho- they're choosing to do it. Right? I get the British it. soldiers, I get it, was- it. Force. I get that you're choosing it, but that was a huge deal was the idea that you would have to take in somebody else from outside. I, I think it's really interesting if you, to your point, if you just say, okay, if you support an open southern border, then you should have to take illegal immigrants into your house and take care of them. And if you don't, 
I just don't know if we should have to listen to that person's opinion anymore because they're I not agree. going to do you're the bare minimum. The bare minimum now, if you're a lib open borders advocate, is you got to take a, a migrant family into your home for as long as that migrant family needs to get on their feet and become the you know entrepreneurs and future founders of Google that we know they're all going to be. That's that should now be the new standard. Ali, good quote here says Ben Franklin said guests like fish. Begin to smell after three days. I, 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 three I tell days. you something. I think it's, I think it's pretty true. I don't, are, do you like being a house guest in general? No, I'm usually not. No, I, no, I would rather stay in a hotel. A guest. Yeah. I would rather stay in a hotel. Yeah. I and I mean, even, I'm, it's different. Like I hope my kids will come back and stay at my house. If you have a house where you can fit them, by the way, and, and the, their families, whatever for Christmas and stuff like that. But, the more kids there are, the crazier it is to try to fit them all into one house. So I we had this discussion several years ago. I just said, hey, given how crazy our kid situation is and the house may not be huge and you're sleeping on a pull-out couch, let's just stay in a hotel. We can drive back and forth. We can visit. Laura wasn't necessarily in favor of that, but I'm like, I just would rather have us in a hotel, all of our family in a hotel. Like, let's just roll with that. Uh, and, uh, let's see how long this relationship goes. Um, and, uh, in the meantime, I guess you give some credit to this lady for actually at least living by her political opinions. Uh, because I think everybody who's advocating for an open border should in fact end up, uh, with, uh, with, that being their residence. We'll take some of your calls, by the way, when we come back uh, to uh, to close out the second hour. But in the meantime, I want to tell you uh, about our friends at uh, Tunnel to Towers. And they are fantastic, and they do incredible work. Um, and uh, in particular, you know, 9-11, more than a day in history, a day still taking lives, sadly. More first responders have died since that day from their illnesses than did on that actual day. And even with as many men and women who've lost their lives as a direct result of 9-11, only two states in the country have K-12 through education mandates requiring teaching in each grade about America's darkest day. In fact, in most states, a whole generation of kids knows little to nothing about that day. The Tunnel of the Towers 9-11 Institute's writing that wrong by helping teachers educate kids in grades K-12 through with nonfiction resources. Full curriculum units, scripted social studies lessons, activities, background of teachers. There are nonfiction first-person accounts told through videos and the Discovering Heroes book series. Not to mention Speakers Bureau for Classrooms and a mobile exhibit in the form of a tractor trailer that's an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. To never forget, we must educate future generations, help our nation keep its vow, join us. In donating $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Keep up with Clay and Buck's campaign coverage with 24, a Sunday highlight reel from the week. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Clay and Bach. We were talking a little bit before about uh, declining Biden, and we shall uh, get into more of that in the next hour. Um, and then there's something else we haven't even talked about once on the show today. There is technically a Republican primary still underway. I mean, te- I'm just saying, technically speaking, there is a Republican primary that is playing out. We're going to be at the South Carolina primary soon. And what is it, 10 days? I got to check on my calendar. I think voting has already started in South Carolina. And by the way, we should mention, but, the, I, the, the, I think you can vote early in the South Carolina primary. So I think people yeah, about, are already. It's about 10 days away. Yes, you can vote. Yeah. So, but you, it's, it's already gone, but we'll find out on the 24th. Uh, that's the day of the actual primary. Um, I guess Nikki Haley is going to stay in through this and Nikki Haley's out there telling everybody, see, this is cut 19. She's going to beat Donald Trump. If the unthinkable happens in your view and you do not win, will it be difficult to support Trump as the Republican Party's nominee, given what you think about him, quite obviously? Well, first, I I think that um, you need to know that I am going to beat President Trump, but you should ask him if it'll be difficult for him to support me. Uh I just, this is such a try-hard thing. She's like, gonna end up bending, bending the knee and saying, "Thank you, Trump," and you know, I, I'm so happy to be on the MAGA train and the whole thing. I mean, you know, why, why go through the? I don't, I don't get it. I guess there's nothing else for her to do. But I don't understand at this point. I it think just feels people like are desperation. now going to remember Nikki Haley's, I, I would say, willful intransigence in 2028 when she runs. 
And I would be inclined, based on the way she has behaved, let's say there's a fully wide-open primary, and there's going to be a ton of people who run. Based on that, I don't think this is a very difficult call. I, I, I find it hard to believe that I would support Nikki Haley in 2028 based on the way she's running her campaign right now. Ron DeSantis, rational decision. He went as hard as he could. He lost. Could totally see myself voting for Ron DeSantis in a primary in 2028. I think he's been a very good governor. Uh, Nikki Haley, it's hard for me to see myself voting for her. And by the way, I've already said uh, my primary is coming up on March 5th. I think this thing is over. Trump's going to be the nominee. I'm voting for Trump. So, uh, you know, if Nikki Haley's still on the ballot on Super Tuesday when I go vote, I think she is. She should drop out when she gets her ass kicked in South Carolina. But if she's still on the ballot, what is she doing? Like, whoever is advising her right now is doing a very poor job of advising. So can I give you one theory? Some of the big money donors that are keeping her in this, including Democrats, who are hoping to use her as a as a tool to force Trump to spend and spend time, spend money and time uh, in order to deal with this last uh, gasp of a challenge to him as the nominee. You know, maybe there's a nice board seat, not at Boeing this time, but somewhere else waiting for her and a book deal. And I, I hate to be as I don't know that, but. I mean, look what happened. She was governor, and then she got on the board seats and made all the money, and that, that there's a history frankly, of this. I don't think that's... Frankly, Buck, this is why I would rather somebody be independently wealthy when they get into politics. I have a bias media, in that Media direction. Matters headline, Clay Travis, only rich people should run for office. Uh, I think everybody <laughs> can run, but like, I trust Trump and Vivek more based on the fact that they don't need to make money by being in politics than I do a lot of people... Who yeah. But will, some people are addicted to power more than they're addicted to money. I get it. But I I just, you know, I I think a big part of Trump's appeal is his wealth. Because I think there are a lot of people out there like me who say, you feel, and I'm speaking generally for a lot of us, I think, you feel like politicians will sell out to special interests to make money if they're not already wealthy. And in an ideal world, if you're already wealthy, that gives you the independence to make the right choice as opposed to the choice that makes you wealthy. Now, are there exceptions to that rule? Yes, certainly. But that's one thing that I like about Vivek and that I like about uh, Trump. Now, let me flip this. I respect the fact that Ron DeSantis has cared so far far more about taking care of the country and also the state of Florida then he has trying to make as much money as he possibly can. Because I think DeSantis is only worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and, and I respect that too. But Nikki Haley to me, Buck, feels like somebody who's out, no pun intended, only for the buck. Interesting. Um, you see this thing about AI companies agreeing to limit deep fakes for the election? This is I a, think this is, I, be a this problem, is a great folks. topic. Yeah, I think, Buck, that every video that comes out for the next 10 years, whether it's real or fake, people don't like it. They're just going to say it's fake. I, I think we should talk about it in the next hour. Let's do it. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.